Does anybody have any other good jokes while I wait on the rest of the people to come upstairs? Okay, what's brown and sticky? <laughs> I know this one, but because I'll never forget it. But tell me. A stick. <laughs> oh, I got a joke. Okay, go. How do you discipline your pet rock? I don't know. <laughs> I like that. Okay, Josh. I just Either I'm a complete idiot or I don't know that it's no. funny but it's outsmarted me. Yeah. And I feel fooled. I can outsmart you. You hear a riddle? <laughs> do, yeah, do, do it. Try. Do your There's worst. There's a guy crossing the border on a bicycle and he carries two bags of sand with him every time he crosses the border. The police check him and they check the bags and they don't find anything on him. Every time that he crosses, he always has two bags of sand with him. Uh huh. Well, they think he's stealing two bags of sand, but he's not. What's he stealing? Bodies. Shh! Don't say anything. I'm trying to get Josh to be feel dumb here. I don't know. The bike. bike He'd steal a new bike. I like that. Okay, um, I'm having all kinds of struggles with the screen, technical difficulties. It's not my fault, man. I got a, I got a nice PowerPoint. I work hard for you kids, and the dang internet is terrible here. Okay. Um, tonight we're finishing up a series on identity. We've learned a lot about who we are in Christ, how God sees us resting in Jesus. Uh, so tonight we're going to talk about uh, the fact that we have a purpose. We're going to learn a little bit of what that purpose is. Um, and I'm going to say this before we get going. It's kind of a disclaimer. Like, There's going to be a couple of things we talk about tonight that you might be like, okay, that was just, for me, that might have gone over my head. So if you've got a word that you don't know or like a thing, just write it down and ask a question in your discussion groups. Um, but don't like fall asleep on me. So go ahead and flip. Uh, we're going to be in about three places. Uh, turn with me to uh, Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 27. Genesis 1, 27. It's the first, we're going to do two verses. It's the first uh, book in the Bible. Genesis 1, 27. Somebody read that for me. Twenty-seven. Uh, twenty-seven and twenty-eight. It says, um, "So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, 
and over the and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So in the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, God, uh, we find out we're made in his image and he gives us a job. So is this before or after Adam and Eve eat the fruit? This is the audience participation part. All right, raise your hand if you think it's before. Raise your hand if you think it's after. Raise your hand if you don't know. Okay, this is before. This is before uh, they eat the fruit. So like at this point... Um, Adam and Eve haven't sinned. So what does he mean when he tells them to be fruitful and multiply? Eat fruit. Okay, Josh. Nope. A high schooler maybe answer. What is uh, what does he mean when he says be fruit when he tells Adam and Eve be fruitful and multiply? What is he saying? He said make babies. Thank you, Dawson. Um and so make babies, and so go out, and what's going to happen is, as there's more people, sinless people, they're going to be going out into the world, uh, people who are made in God's image, and then God is going to be getting glory. Uh, these people are going to be glorifying God and all that they do. And so in Genesis 1, uh, God tells us he wants worshipers everywhere. Um, it doesn't quite work out that way, right? If you've read the story, it doesn't really work out perfectly because there's sin in the world just a couple of pages later, and so we're not perfect. And so actually God is going to echo this command to Noah uh, after they get off the ark in Genesis 9. But for us, in 2018, we have a renewed command, and we find a purpose in Jesus and what he says. And if, unfortunately, a lot of us don't know our purpose or have gotten away from our true purpose. Uh, raise your hand if you were in the service this morning. Okay, you remember the uh, short story Chris read? Okay, I found that story when I was trying to find this story. So I have another story for you. So just, uh, if you need to close your eyes, you can close your eyes. Just don't go to sleep. But this is a modern parable for you. It says, It came to pass that a group existed who called themselves fishermen. And there was a lot of fish in the water all around them. And in fact, the whole area was surrounded by streams and lakes full of fish, and the fish were hungry. Week after week, month after month, year after year, those people uh, who called themselves fishermen, they met and talked about their call to fish and how many fish there were and how they could go fishing. Year after year, they defined what fishing meant. Uh, they defended fishing as a job and said that fishing is like the best thing ever. Raise your hand if you like to fish. Is it just me? Okay. So they searched for new and better methods of fishing and new and better definitions of fishing. They came up with cool slogans and they put them on their cars. Um, these fishermen built big buildings called uh, fishing headquarters. And the idea was that everybody should be a fisherman and that everybody should fish. There's only one thing they didn't do. They didn't fish. Even though they met every week, they had a board of people that would send out fishermen to other places where there was lots of fish. They hired people um, to do fishing for them to decide what new streams we should go to, but no one actually really fished. They had these big buildings, um, and the idea was we were going to train, we were going to teach people how to fish. And so they had uh, classes on the needs of the fish, the nature of fish, where to find fish, marine biology and how to feed fish. Uh, people got fishing licenses. 
But year after year after all this, a lot of the people who were called to be fishermen, uh, they just didn't go fishing. They did a lot of other stuff. Some of them thought it was their job to relate to the fish or to make sure the fish know the difference between good fishermen or bad fishermen. Others simply felt that letting the fish know that they were nice, uh, land-loving neighbors uh, and how loving and kind they were, they thought that that was a good thing. And it's true that a lot of the fishermen sacrificed. They put up with a lot of uh, difficulties. A lot of them lived on the beach or on the lake. Um, they received ridicule. But imagine how hurt some of them were when one day a person suggested that the people who don't go fishing aren't really fishermen. And no matter how much they claim to be. Although it did sound right. You know, is a person a fisherman if year after year he never fishes? Somebody uh, pray for us before we get into the meat of our lesson tonight. Okay, thank you. Um, guys, I thank you for the time that you gave me today, Father. Just to God, I can't follow and learn more about you. Um, I pray that you also give the lesson time. I pray that you, um, that you may both speak through Father, that, he, that you may speak through him, Father, and it's not his thoughts or his will about it, but it's about, really, it's about getting to know you more and more, Father, and it's about learning that it's you the only way that we can go through, Father, and it's nothing that we can do, nothing that we'll ever do, Father, but it's the truth that, it's the truth that we know, Father, but also the truth that we'll be that will change our lives, Father. And let us, and let us use Josh not right now, Father, as he teaches for the lesson as everybody listens. Um, I just pray that you may open our hearts, Father, our minds, and just um, let us be sensitive and let us really pay attention to the word, Father, and let us take it seriously. Um, I just pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. When I opened my eyes, I realized I, I didn't do this on purpose, but this is one of my favorite fishing hats. Uh, what is the, what's the job of a fisherman? Like, this isn't a trick question. Yeah, fishing. you got to go out and catch fish. And so when Jesus first called his disciples, Peter and some of those other guys, uh, they were literal fishermen. Like, they went out on boats, and uh, they caught fish. Does anybody know, what did he say when he called those people to be disciples? Josh, what did he say? Yep, so if you didn't hear that, he said, come with me, and you're actually going to become fishers of people. Flip with me to uh, Matthew, we're back in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 28. We'll start in verse 16. Matthew chapter 28. You might see a heading or something that uh, calls this the Great Commission. And you've probably heard about 50 lessons on it. Matthew chapter 28, starting with verse 16. When you find it, uh, say word. Okay. Check. Check. Mike. Check, check. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and read it. Uh, 16. It says, then, then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when he saw him, excuse me, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
and teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so this was, this was it. Um, pretty much this is just about the last words Jesus is going to say uh, before he leaves earth and goes to heaven. And so if I knew that I was going to be gone for a while, I would probably try to tell you something very, very important. Like if I was going to be gone for a few months and not see you all again, I would tell you all something very important. Um, so in a way, these are like the last words of the most important person who's ever lived. He says, all authority. So he speaks with the authority of heaven, the authority that gets stuff done. Uh, this is actually a fulfillment of Daniel chapter 7. Um, you don't have to flip there because we're going to stay in Matthew, but I'll read it to you. He says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And he was given authority and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion and his authority is an everlasting authority which shall not pass away. And his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. That's Daniel 7, uh, 13 and 14. You really need to have a Bible. I was going to have this on the screen. It would have helped you out. So if you don't have a Bible or your phone, get with somebody who does. Because we're going to be a little bit uh, technical here. Look at verse uh, 19. The one that starts with uh, the word go. What's And don't feel bad if you get this wrong. What's the command in verses 19 and 20? Uh, we are in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, I'm looking at verses 19 and 20. We've all been there. Okay, in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, what is the command? This is the audience participation part. Aiden. That is incorrect, but I don't want you to feel bad because most people think so. What? Josh. That's exactly what I just said. Okay, Matthew, you want to give it a shot? Did you cheat off of Bill? Okay. <laughs> so, this is, uh, this is nerd alert or whatever, so everybody do your glasses like this. Okay, there is a... Does anybody like does anybody like English at school? Like you, you actually are good at English. Okay, there's people like this in the world. So there is a there's a type of verb called an imperative, which means like you're commanding, you're telling someone to do something, and only one verb is that kind of verb in this verse, and it is the word make disciples. The thing he is telling them to do is to make disciples. Does anybody know what a participle is? Now we're getting really, we're really going off the rails. Anybody know what a participle is? You're like, I took the ACT on Saturday. I can't do this. Uh, a participle is like, it tells you how to do the verb. So there's three participles in these two verses. What are the, what are the three participles telling you how to make disciples? Uh, close. 
They usually in English end with ing. I'm looking for the the command is to make disciples. There's three. There's three uh, participles that teach you how to do it. Uh, Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen, and twenty. Okay, I just I gotta make sure I got them countered right. Naomi. Teaching, baptizing, boom, boom, and there's one more, and it's tricky. English won't help you, unfortunately. Bill, you want to take a stab at it? No. Don't feel bad. This is like, I mean, this is like hard. Okay. The, the other participle, and it doesn't really get translated great into English, is go. And it's supposed to say, if you, if you read Greek, it would say going. Or as you go. Because a lot of people, when they teach this verse, or these verses, they say, all Jesus is telling you to do is to go. And what happens is, a lot of us get on mission trips, and we go, and we're like, yay, I did the thing. I did the thing. It's like, well, did you make disciples while you were there? Or like, were you a part of somebody making disciples? And if the answer is no, did you do the thing? Like, if your parent told you, you know, Dawson, as you go to school today, I need you to bring home your report card. The command would be to bring home the report card as you go. If you were like, if, if Bill's like, hey, did you bring home the report card? And you were like, no, but I went to school. Was that being obedient to the command? No, it was not. So, the... Our primary job, the last thing Jesus told us to do, is to make disciples as we go. That means wherever we go. And some of us will go. Um, some of you will go a long way from here. He says baptizing them. Now that means literally baptizing them. Was anybody here to see people get baptized this morning? That was pretty cool. I didn't even know we had that many like robes. I was afraid that like somebody was gonna have to like get dunked and then like take off a wet one and like give it to the next person. Um, yeah, and then it'd be like a partial baptize already because it was already kind of wet. But as you're baptizing them, what is what does Chris say when he baptizes people? Just like say it. You don't have to raise your hand. Yeah. And so as you're doing that, that's basically saying making sure they understand what this is, that this is a commitment to follow Jesus. This is what it means, and we're walking them through it. Teaching them. The other uh, idea in this passage is teaching them. Teaching them this book, uh, teaching, them that, uh, teaching them as we live our lives around them. So, and also, as we're teaching them, we're teaching them to to do this themselves, teaching them to teach other people. Uh, in fact, and this is uh, especially for y'all, I'm happy, I'm happy if you invite your friends, like on a Sunday night. I'm happy if you invite your friends to your small groups. Um, if you invite your friends on a Sunday night, they might hear me talk, but most people 
don't care what I have to say. Most people that are y'all's friends don't really care what I have to say, which is fine, but they will care, or they most of the time care about what you have to say because you're on the front lines. And so this idea of go and make disciples, let's say I'm committed to making disciples of everybody uh, that I work with. Well, what that means for me right now is like, Hey, Chris and Shirley, like, y'all want to be disciples or whatever? Like, it's it's harder for me because I work at a church. Y'all go to school with a lot more lost people than I go to work with. Although, at the moment, there's people living at the church, so that's kind of cool. So maybe this doesn't apply as much at this very moment. But generally speaking, people aren't going to be living at the church. Um, so this command at this very moment, is even more true uh, of y'all. Let's flip over uh, to Acts 1.8. This is like the continuation of the same conversation. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts 1.8. All right, when you found it, say word. It's spelled A-C-T-S, not A-X-E, like y'all's body spray. Somebody wears it. I saw it on a trip. All right, Acts 1-8. It's like right Andrew, when you find it, read it for me. Acts 1-8? Uh, chapter 1, verse 8. Okay. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judah and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. So, they actually did that. Jesus is talking to his disciples and they actually went to all those places. And basically all of them, all the people that Jesus is talking to, gave their lives, died to spread that gospel. Um, to the edge of the world as they knew it. And he says, you know, do it in Jerusalem. So like you're going to do it to, to follow this command. You've got to be able to do it here in La Follette. Uh, and y'all have opportunities to make disciples here in La Follette. You'll do it in this region, and you'll do it to the ends of the earth. What's the, what's the weird one in there? Because it says, you know, Jerusalem is like the city, Judea is like the state, kind of. And then he says, go, and then to the ends of the earth. What's the one that, like, sticks out a little bit? Samaria. Okay, what do we know about Samaria. I mean, anything. Josh. They're Samaritans. Okay, yes. And some other stuff. Yeah, so like they had, there was like racial beef between the Samaritans and the Israelites. Like they didn't like each other. There's a lot of that in the, in the Gospels. And he says, you're going to go to Samaria. Everybody hated them. There's a lot of tension there. And he says, if you're my follower, 
you're going to go to the place where nobody wants to go. You might go to the people that everyone hates. And so to make it 2018, to make disciples, there's a good chance that somebody's going to make disciples among Muslims in this room. Uh, somebody might go to refugees. Uh, somebody might go to the exchange students or the nerds or the skaters or the hillbillies to make disciples. And the bookworms. Or, yeah, or the bookworms. Now, notice, this doesn't say or. So, like, local missions go into Jerusalem and go into where you live does not compete does not compete with going to the ends of the world jesus doesn't say go to this or that so like you can go and be on mission and make disciples right where you live and still care about the other places and vice versa that's a little bit of a soapbox the great commission is not a comfortable call but it is a costly command if you saw it on my screen, it would be in quotes because that's what I thought was going to be cool. It says, the Great Commission is not a comfortable call, but it is a costly command. It isn't a call to come and be baptized and then just sit around, sit in one location. The church as a whole, and even like this church in some ways, is full of people who have been Christians for five years 15 years or 50 years who have never discipled anybody. What do, what do we call a fisherman who doesn't fish? Unemployed, I guess. But like we call a fisherman that doesn't fish like somebody who's not doing the one thing that they're supposed to be doing. So what if you're a Christian and you have never attempted to make disciples? You're just a dude. Like you yeah, you're you might even still be a Christian, but like what are you even doing? Three things. Because I'm getting close to the end. Three things that must happen as we make disciples. Number one, we must share the word. We must share the word if we're gonna make disciples. So we speak the gospel. Using this, we speak the gospel at the same time as we live the gospel. It's not like an either or. We share the word and then we show everybody else what that looks like in our lives. Because you might be the only Jesus that some people see. Uh, you might be the only Jesus some people see at your school and maybe later your jobs. Jesus uh, Jesus did life with people. He hung out with people a lot. They saw him every day of the week, like not just on Sundays. But Jesus was, was doing the stuff that he preached. Somebody said, you know, one living sermon or one living lesson is worth a hundred explanations. So share the word um, like this and also with your lives at the same time. So the second thing we have to do, we have to, we have to teach, we have to teach the word. Verse 19, back over in the uh, chapter 28, verse 19 says, teaching them to observe everything I commanded you. Remember, we don't just get it for us, like we have to teach and pass it on to somebody else. 
So there's a, some of y'all might be called to teach groups of people. Like y'all might, I mean, who knows? Maybe somebody in here will pastor a church or something. But that's okay if nobody does in here. That's not for everybody. But some of you will uh, be doing what some of the adults in the back of the room are doing. Uh, some of y'all will be leading a small group at some point, maybe sooner rather than later. Um, but everybody gets to has an opportunity to do discipleship and a calling to do discipleship in some kind of way. Some of you, maybe down the line, it might be discipling your kids or discipling just the one guy or one girl you work with. And don't say, well, I just don't know enough stuff. Um, I'll never forget the, and, and I'm very excited to go back, but the guy we met in the Dominican, his name is Mayo, and at the time that we were there, he had been a Christian for a month. So think about like what was happening a month ago. I think, were we even on the winter retreat a month ago? So this dude's been a Christian for a month, and he is running a Bible study, which is like the only Bible study in his village, and has led four, had led four of his friends to Christ at that time. Had been a Christian for four weeks, was running a Bible study, and did that dude know like everything about the Bible? No, he did not. But if you are a Christian, you at least know enough to, for you to be saved. If you have placed your faith in Jesus, you know enough to help somebody else. Um, has anybody ever flown on a plane before? Okay, so what do they say? What do they tell you to do with the little uh, masks? Like, well, when they're giving you the demonstration, they say, like, you know, you're going to put yours on and then help, like, the person next to you. Like, you're not an expert. You're not a flight attendant. But if you've just seen how you can do yours, then you can help the person next to you do theirs. So everybody in this room that's a believer is qualified to do some kind of disciple-making with somebody. Number three, so we share the word, we teach the word. This one doesn't really rhyme, but we serve the world. If we're going to make disciples, we have to serve the world. Uh, the phrase that we use to translate all the nations, back in those few verses, is uh, pantata ethne, which literally means all the ethnicities. Um, if it was translated perfectly, it would say all y'all. You're going to make disciples of all y'all. Or like in Campbell County, it would be like, we're going to make disciples of all yuns. All yuns. So as we're doing these two, we prove, we prove our faith by our works to the world. And so here's some good news about the Great Commission. Is how it ends. It says we don't do this in our own power. And to a degree the results are not up to us. We don't save anybody. We don't convince anybody. The Holy Spirit draws people to himself and the Holy Spirit does the saving. Every salvation is a miracle. Nod your head if you agree with me. Every salvation is a miracle. There's no limit to how much we can pray for our friends and family that don't know Jesus. We share the word, we teach the word, and then we serve the word. 
serve the world. Davey, would you uh, pray for us as we go to our discussion groups? Dearly yeah. Father, I want to thank you for bringing us all here together, and thank you for Josh to bring us this message. And as we go into small groups, I want to pray that we all think about it and we can answer the questions. Amen. Amen. All right, uh, middle school guys, there's your leaders right there. Uh, everybody else, meet me in the back. Uh, middle school girls, you've been promoted this weekend. Do we go? Thank <laughs> you.